Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Being good at your job is, frankly, the expectation is it's more important than sleeping, eating, exercising, personal, your personal life more. Um, and if, if you don't have that level of dedication, you'll just find someone who will. And then if you work at a New York firm, there's also a presumption that you work extremely hard and know how to find work to be done. And again, everyone knows that attorneys in major New York law firms typically work extremely hard. And the presumption of at law firms in other parts of the country is that if you've worked in one of these law firms, then that you've got, you have a work ethic engaged. I mean, that, that from being around certain the people in your firm and also just from the nature of those firms where you're going to work extremely hard and you can tolerate long hours. Why do the law firms make people work so hard? It's because a lot of times they're about the company matters, but also they want to generate as much possible money from you as possible because they have high expenses. So uh, your salary is even higher. While attorneys work very hard in most major law firms, New York firms definitely have an expectation and almost it's unsaid. It doesn't need to be pointed out that you're going to have to work extremely hard. And there's things like there's really not a lot of tolerance for avoiding responsibility or not working long hours inside of most of these firms. It's just how it is. It's not, you can't get away with not doing so. And again, attorneys in all firms and all markets work hard. But in New York, there's definitely an emphasis on it that I think feels a little bit more real uh, to the attorneys there. And it's a lot more about survival because, again, there's so many attorneys competing for the same jobs in that market that if someone just takes their foot off the gas, they're very easy to replace. And again, it's definitely expected um, for the attorneys in the largest New York firms. And the other thing that's important for anybody in any profession, but the legal profession especially is the idea of finding work to be done and keeping your hours as high as possible. So this is a big mistake that a lot of junior associates make. It's also a mistake that people make even to the mid-level range and a lot of firms around the country. So the idea is that if they're not assigning me things to do, then great, I don't have any work to do. So I'm going to go home early or I'm going to play games on the internet. Who knows? But there's a, that idea exists in a lot of places. But when you think about it, really the most important thing for an attorney and associates that are working at a very high level is you tend to be very motivated to find work to be done. So what is finding work to be done? It's figuring out things you can do and bill uh, when other people will just turn in a project. So it's finding out, bonding with partners if you're an associate to, to get work. If you're in a partner, it's bonding with potential clients to get work. Everybody's trying to find work to be done. And this is one of the essentials of being an attorney. And very few people understand this. And that's why very few people, a lot of people leave and things. They don't understand what this is about. What it's about is you need to make up and find things and people to give you work. And attorneys in New York, if work comes along, they're excited. It makes them feel good. They have lots of projects. They'll stay up. I I talk to attorneys in New York all the time. And I can tell that they've been up for 48 hours. It's just how it is. And the largest New York firms, the partners also have their choice of who to give work to. They have more than enough people to to give work to. People are leaving firms all the time and not committed and going to other firms and working laterally. So they're going to choose the associates to do the best job, that work the hardest and build the most hours. Not always. Sometimes they're looking for efficiency, but and do the best work and return in the best work they don't have to worry about. And again, most attorneys in New York firms in other markets too, but it seems a little bit more exaggerated in New York, are concerned about keeping their hours up, 
and really compete with each other to get access to work. Who are you working for? Who's giving you work? How do you get more work? It's not the, the and the people that kind of have a problem are the ones that sit around waiting for work to come to them. And it's a good system if you think about it, because what is it doing? It's training attorneys to do what they would have to do if they were partners, which is go out and impress clients and get work. And it's the hungriest attorneys who do the best, tend to get the most work, the ones that want the most work, the ones that are enthusiastic about work, the ones that are happy and thank people for giving them work, and the ones that do more than is expected of them when they do work and make it easy to work with and don't ask a lot of questions that take up time and figure things out. These are all very important. And if, you, if you're not hungry and don't get work, then you're simply going to lose your job by not having built enough hours. I remember I had one candidate that was working in a big New York firm and the assignments were sent out, I don't know, every Monday morning. And the first person to get in to grab the assignment would get the job. And so everyone sat in front of their computer by 8 a.m. in order to get work. And this guy was like, I'm not going to participate in this. This is demeaning. Like, why would I do that? And, and so he eventually, after three or four months of doing that, lost his job. And he was in New York. His family was in New York. He'd gone to Columbia or something and didn't want to move. And no one would hire him just because he'd lost his job. And, and that's scary. And that's what happens. And the, the, you have to compete uh, to get work in all areas of the country, of course. But in New York, you really are competing with a lot of people to get work. Now, you may have a much easier time getting work in different economies. And so when it's a good economy, you may just be given work no matter what. But everything always slows down. So during those times when things are busy, you really need to work as hard as you can, but you also need to impress people with the quality of your work. And uh, but the ability to generate work uh, is extremely important, meaning you need to be able to come up with extra work that can be done and, and suggested to partners or suggested to the clients if you have contact with the clients. You need to do the work as thoroughly as possible. And, and what is creating work to be done? It's something like maybe you write a four-page letter to the client about something. Instead of just turning it in and you rewrite it and you rewrite it and you rewrite it, uh, billing lots and lots of hours to make it as good as possible. This is the way things go. When I was, I was working and my second job was a, a large New York law firm. And I remember if I would write a letter or something to a client about a legal issue, and I might finish the letter at, might take, I might start at 9 a.m. and finish at two or three in the afternoon. But then I would be in the office till midnight, rewriting and reworking and making that was perfect. And that was what was expected. And it's not to say that was, I'd have to do that my whole career, but as a young attorney, I had to force myself to put details on I normally wouldn't have in a first or second draft. And then again, one of the things about New York that's very interesting is that if you work there, there's really a presumption that your life and focus is around your job. And most attorneys in New York, they, don't, they certainly do, but there's not a lot of emphasis on work-life balance. I've seen some New York law firms, not all of them, that may have less of this than others. But Honestly, your identity often in the large New York law firms come from who you work for. And, and often there's a presumption that you understand or respect the importance of hard work. I remember working in New York and there would always be a line of cars starting at nine or 10 outside the firm because you would take a car service home when you work like very late at night. And it's very interesting. You could take a car for free. You were expected to work late and then they send you in a car home, but you're expected, everyone was expected to work late. So you have to understand the important talents of work, this work. And then there's a lot of firms on the West Coast, now in the Midwest and other parts of the country. There's an emphasis on working at home. That certainly happened during COVID in New York, where the people are gradually moving to 
having a more of an emphasis on working at home. Society is changing and, and there's a lot going on, but the undercurrent of the law firms is still working as hard as you can and taking your jobs as seriously as you can and, and really following the lead of what the firm wants as opposed to what you want. And, and you're really expected to have kind of an all-in attitude about your job and take it very seriously. Now, that's not to say that it doesn't exist in other markets. And part of what I'm trying to communicate today is that these are things that you can do in any size firm, but understanding that these are important ways to act and behave and think about your job is very important. Being good at your job is, frankly, and the, the expectation is it's more important than sleeping, eating, exercising, personal, your personal life, and more. And in some firms like Wachtell, they have people that will go pick up your prescriptions. They'll make sure they get your dry cleaning. Whatever you need to keep you working, they will do for you, which is nice. But at the same time, it's more valuable to have you in the office and going out and picking up a prescription or doing something like that. Um, and if, if you don't have that level of dedication, they'll just find someone who will. They'll, you'll get harsh reviews. Maybe they won't say commitment, but they'll say other things. And it, it does, and a lot of the best firms really exceed what's expected elsewhere. And it's just how it is. And, and what happens in New York more so many times than other areas is, this is also very interesting. So someone coming from a very prestigious New York law firm that is, has lost their job or left their job and then wants to go back in the market, won't, this happens quite a bit. Rather than go to a less prestigious firm, because they define themselves so much of being in this prestigious firm, will not go back to practice at all. I started seeing this years ago and I didn't really understand what was going on. But then I thought, wow, these people are, don't want to basically go to a less prestigious firm because they define themselves so much based on the firm they're at. So instead of doing that, they'll go in-house, or which is respected by firms, and, or they will give up the practice of law entirely, sometimes just because they associate walking on pins and needles and hours and this level of detail and how difficult it is and the all-consuming nature with the practice of law when it couldn't be further from the truth. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. In a lot of smaller markets and firms, but this is how they think about it. And so often these attorneys will conclude that every law firm must be that way. And, and they want nothing to do with it because they want a semblance of a life outside of a law firm. And, and again, when you're working around people that are very highly motivated and you're a competitive person, also highly motivated, it can be very off-pitting and it can drive many attorneys away from the law because you think this is what it is. And, and I don't want anything to do with the practice of law again. I want to do something else. I want to I want to become a yoga teacher or whatever. And but instead of realizing that this experience you had is not really normal for, for being an attorney. 
The other thing about New York is it tends to be very concentrated. There's, anyway, you're closer to home usually, but not always. And so you expect to be in the office more. There's also a presumption that if you're a very good attorney, that you're a very good attorney, if you survive in one of these firms at least five years, if you can last more than five years in any one of these firms, the market's going to believe you're a very good attorney and you will get a lot of interest. When I work with attorneys from the best firms and moving firms laterally in New York, and they have someone that's really strong, it's been in for five years, they get a lot of interest from other New York law firms when it could just be crickets if the person is moving around to firms. So being able to be stable in even one New York law firm really says a lot. And it, to such an extent that law firms will even call and be curious like if the person doesn't interview with them or where did they go? Because it, it's a reflection. I, there's just a lot going on. And very few attorneys survive a long time in, in the largest firms, especially in one firm. They tend to get psyched out because attorneys are working with are very competitive and will um, psych them out with rumors or working harder, looking like they're busy. Who knows? But they get psyched out. The hours can psych them out. Sometimes the reviews are very harsh, especially for young attorneys. The way reviews tend to work in the largest firms is when the market is very good, the attorneys will not get very bad reviews. They'll get good reviews. When the market slows down, the reviews start getting bad. You're more likely to get a good review or bad review in your first few years of practice because they're trying to make you more paranoid and a better attorney. And then when you become profitable, like your third and fourth year, you start getting great reviews because they're making a lot of money from you. It doesn't require, they don't, you don't require a lot of handholding and you'll get great reviews. And then at some point when you get more senior and you're closer to being a partner, you'll start getting bad reviews again and you become paranoid again, at which point you start working even harder and then you either make it or you don't. But there's just a lot going on in these firms. And this is going on in all firms. It just tends to be a little bit exacerbated in New York. They, people don't like the hours. The reviews can be a turnoff. The, the competitive nature of your peers and how competitive they are with you and each other. The feeling that you can't keep up with them. There's people billing 3,000 hours a year. And what, how are you supposed to even come close to that? Peers are paranoid. People will say, oh, I'm getting better work than you. People will tell you you made a bad mistake and you have, now it's hurt your brand. Uh, the partners are demanding. The commitment is massive. So if you go home at nine and everyone's there till 11 or 12, how does that look? How does it make you feel? Everyone knows you're leaving. The level of detail required, people get very upset about small errors. I was actually working on an article uh, over the weekend, and it was about interviewing with a New York firm. And I was in my, it was a callback interview. And I was in the final, one of the final interviews of the day. And, it was, and, and I was, I'd come back from lunch and I was interviewing with a couple of people. And I think it was one of the last interviews. And I was interviewing with this guy and it was actually funny. He had a book on behind him called Principles of, I don't know, you know, basically butt medicine, volume three or something. It was like the size of a phone book. So I kept looking at him like, is this for real? And he was very serious. And, and at some point, the, he was looking at my resume. And he said, didn't you, you know, work, it's law school. He said, don't they graduate? You, don't you graduate in May from University of Virginia Law School? My brother went there or something. And I said, yeah. And he said, how come your resume says June? And I was like, oh, I must have made a mistake. And his face grimaced up and he looked visibly upset. This was a really horrible thing. He got up and excused himself. And then someone came back from the recruiting coordinator. And so thanks a lot. He had to go do something. And You'll hear from us soon. And then getting that job had been recommended by a recruiter. And, and so the recruiter, I called him and told him what happened. He's like, oh my God. He's I'm going to call them and tell them that it was my mistake or something that I retyped your resume. And then anyway, I eventually got an offer from the firm after, but it was just, it was very funny. And so this kind of detail is people take this very seriously. 
And a lot of times clients and a lot of these big firms are very negative. The, the peers are very negative to each other. They're all trying to go in-house or they're, they're upset. They don't like the hours. And then you're seeing people leave all the time. And that, that can be demotivating. Feel like, why am I leaving? Why am I going in-house? Sitting alone in front of a computer for 12 to 15 hours or more per day can be very alienating. People do need to have contact with others that aren't necessarily adverse to them. So that can be very hard, can psychologically, it can be very difficult. It was interesting. I was reading a study a few days ago, and it was about when you put rats, when, about getting rats addicted to opium or some, or whatever it's called, the Oxycontin and that sort of thing. And what they were saying is that when, if you put a rat in a cage and it's alone, then it starts getting very anxious. And if you give it the choice between and going crazy, and if you give it the choice between water and opiates, it will always go to the opiates and will start abusing it till it gets to the point where it's basically hooked and a major junkie and having all these problems. If you put the same rat, and if you put rats in a cage where they're all together, and you put opium out with water, they will prefer the water. Even when they try the opium and get high, they'll just basically go back to the water. And then if you take the addicted rat from the one that was working alone, and you put them in the cage with, with, the, other rat, with the other rats, they'll actually wean themselves off the opiates and start drinking water again. So what does that say? What it says is that, I guess, that people are more susceptible to addiction and problems and psychological stress when they're doing things alone than with, when they're in feeling isolated than when they're with other groups of people. And maybe that lesson of rats applies to humans because you know, what happens when someone's addicted to alcohol or drugs, they send them to Al-Anon or whatever it is, AA, and, and they're around other people. And being around other people makes a sense of connection. And so anyway, and then presumably it helps them get off these substances. So this stuff that an attorney goes through in these large firms, and in New York especially, really says a lot. And if you can survive all this, there's a presumption that you've gone through the same type of training, had the same experience if you work in a large law firm, and therefore you can survive anywhere where the environment's less hostile and demanding. And there's a lot less tolerance many times because there's, the work is so high stakes for cutting corners or not doing things as well as you can. And any weakness you have, and this exists, of course, in the best law firms all over the country, but you can be more sure that these weaknesses will be exposed. And if you want to hold on to your job, you need to really be careful to fixing these weaknesses and you have to know what they are. And so having spent five or more years addressing your weaknesses, becoming versed in a specialty and billing lots of hours and continually improving and makes you very formidable compared to your peers in other markets. And when you feel more in control, you feel like you put in more and you're entitled to more respect. And this is what happens. So when New York attorneys come up against attorneys in, from other cities, even if it's LA, they have this attitude that they're more in control and more and, and just rubs off. Ask an attorney in any market. And then the other thing is that there's a presumption if you went to work in one of these firms, you're just unbelievably motivated. These attorneys that go to these firms know what they're getting into. Attorneys that compared to other markets, they know the hours are going to be brutal. They know that they're up against almost impossible odds to make a partner, and, but they're up for the challenge. And despite all this, they still go to work in these big firms. And people that are hiring these attorneys in other cities know that if the attorney has survived in one of these and even chosen to go to one of these firms, they are obviously highly motivated. And and because they showed up in the large firm and remained there. And so this motivation is something that really will serve the attorney for the rest of their career. And that's why when you meet attorneys, they say, oh, I started my career at Skadden or whatever. They really take it seriously. And, and again, if you're trying to work in New York and that's your priority, you're often, you're really trying to push yourself 
in the most challenging conditions possible in an area where there's going to be a lot of people that are better than you, that are going to be trying harder than you. And so the level of competition is much higher. It's like the major leagues as opposed to something else. So you need to be really on top. And this is certainly the case at lots of law firms at other cities of the country. You can't criticize O'Melveny in Los Angeles or Gibson Dunn in Washington, D.C. or any of these firms because they're exceptional and they're just as good. But across the board, if not better, this is what comes up. There's also a presumption for a lot of the firms, people coming from New York, that they're more professional. The culture is much more professional than the West Coast and other parts of the country. So if I'm talking to someone like in the recruiting department of a firm in LA or San Francisco, I'll be saying, how's it going? What are you up to? And you can tell them what you're doing. It could be sound silly. Um, and they'll laugh and you'll have a good time. If you do that with a person in the recruiting department of a New York law firm, they're very professional and they'll say, that's inappropriate to ask me that. And it's just a different type of culture that's more professional. The dress is more professional, presentation is more professional. People look crisp and put together, not all the time, of course, but people are more likely to look very polished. They're going to think about their tie and if it's an Hermes tie. I mean, there's just a lot how the, their clothes look or their tail. There's just a lot that goes into it that you don't necessarily see in, in other markets. And you may see it in other markets, but it's more emphasized in New York because people pay more attention to it and they're, they're trained to look and act the part more so than attorneys in other cities. I remember when I was a summer associate, this mid-level associate was lecturing me and he was telling me that the I don't know, attorney that built the highest hours or something or had the most business said when he walks into a room to, with a client, the, he needs to look like more put together than the client or anyone else in the room to justify his high billing rates. Again, that's how we thought. So they, you know, the shoes would be polished, their suits would be perfectly pressed. And, and that was a, what that firm stood for back then. This is certainly a long time ago and people are more casual now, but there's just a better, there's people are more conscious of how they dress, how they're groomed and more professional because this is how the attorneys, other attorneys around them are. Why is that? It's probably because when they meet with clients, they have to look that way or it's just the culture of the firm. And this is probably maybe because they're representing banks and other people in financial sectors. I don't know. And it's been, it's definitely changed in New York. So it's not the same as it was in that respect, but it's still there. And when New York attorneys shows up to an interview in another city, they show up and they're very professional. They're, it's just different. And they know to say the right things and they're not casual and they, they smile when they're supposed to, and they just act different. And differently. And, and so employers like this professionalism because they want the people representing them in the market to look and act professionally and present a good image for the employer. And again, it's, it's sending a highly polished and professional attorney into a meeting with a client is much preferable the opposite. I remember I had this candidate once, even in LA, he decided to grow, he was at Wild Gotcho, I think, doing IP litigation. Wild's an awesome firm. And he had hair that was going down to his buttocks. And I don't know, he'd grown it while he was practicing. And even in California, like this guy would go to interviews and no one would hire him. And, but in New York, I can't even imagine. And there's just a level of, and that was a New York firm, by the way, but it was in their Bay Area office. But there's just a level of professionalism in these attorneys that's presumed that they carry that a lot of times attorneys in other markets do and that don't. And then, and it's not to say that attorneys in other markets aren't professional. It's just that as a general rule, you're going to get more professionalism in the culture of New York firms than you may in others, other markets. And then the jobs in most New York firms are very difficult to get. There's so many attorneys in New York. And each time there's a job, what happens in New York is a lot of these recruiters subscribe to lists where the second a job comes up on a law firm's website or something, it's emailed out to all the recruiters and all the recruiters drop everything and start calling every associate they can in the city. So if there's a job in New York, 
That doesn't happen in LA. That doesn't happen in San Francisco. It doesn't happen in Chicago. But if there's a job in New York, people will, the law firms will get every qualified candidate, whether it's through recruiters or people applying and referrals. There's just so many people competing for the same jobs who have the backgrounds that the law firm's seeking. And the law firms can afford to be extremely choosy when they're hiring. They're going to have, they're going to get op- just from recruiters, they're going to have the option to hire every qualified candidate that they want. And therefore, they can typically hire the very best attorneys. In other areas of the country, a law firm won't have that type of, they won't have recruiters calling every matching attorney in the city, but they won't have the same type of selection. And, and the attorney may have good qualifications, and, but not the perfect position, but they were hired anyway by the firms. And so firms will make exceptions, though they just more so than they would in New York. And they, the New York firms just don't need to take this risk. So things like having employment stability, being employed, your law school, like all these things they can afford to, to look at in a lot more depth than they might in other markets. And, and most prestigious law firms, I mean, they'll even hire from all over the country if they find the best person. They can hire based on your personality. They can hire on your qualifications, your fit, your motivation, all sorts of other characteristics that wouldn't even come into to play in a lot of other areas of the country. And they are very uncompromising un- when it comes to hiring them, their hiring standards because they can afford to be that way. Firms like Sullivan and Cromwell, Wachtell, Cravath rarely hire laterally because not only do they want, they want to hire lateral people that are going to be the absolute best, and they, they want to hire new attorneys coming in that are likely to, to be the absolute best, and they want to train them in their culture. And, and so that's something that law firms in other cities understand. And as a general rule, these law firms, the people that come out of them interview even better. And then it's not uncommon for attorneys trained in this kind of for every firm they interview in another market, they're always the first choice of the employers. So you rarely see this thing from attorneys from California, Chicago, or Texas who relocate to New York. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Okay, so the next thing is that attorneys that, that are from New York tend to be much more concerned with prestige and what other attorneys think of them and really want to be among the best. And most law firms that are interviewing New York attorneys in New York are going to be very concerned with prestige, more so, I think, than attorneys in most other cities. It's very common for the best law firms in, in Palo Alto and in San Francisco and LA and Chicago to hire people that are trying to move up. But in New York, when you take your job so seriously and so motivated and building so many hours, the attorneys really want the most prestigious prestige possible. They're all, almost always going to take a job of the most prestigious firm as opposed to the less prestigious firm. And there's just a lot of, there's a huge pecking order among the firms in terms of the ones that people even consider when they're moving. You have different bands of firms, your most prestigious firms, which are your Paul Weiss's and Simpson Thatcher's and firms with Scaddens and things along those lines are people are much from those types of firms would be probably not want to go down to firms that are less prestigious and they will, but not always. And so there's just a very kind of unspoken level of prestige and attorneys take it very seriously. And 
they're very motivated to work at the most prestigious firms because if you're taking your job, if your job is your life, you really want in your, in your brand and you define yourself in this way, it's actually much more prevalent, I think, in firms in New York than from other cities. The attorneys from the best law firms will ask and other attorneys where they're at. And there's, if they're at a more prestigious firm, there's people who are very conscious of it. I don't necessarily see that as much in other cities because I, I don't think people take it as seriously. But again, it's something that's, it's, I think is very prevalent. And then this desire to be with the most high, highest performing, the most prestigious firms is channeled into more hours and higher quality work. And so attorneys, of course, are concerned with the paycheck. But the New York attorney tends to be much more concerned about the prestige level of their firm. And, and the entire system really functions based on people trying to be at the, these most prestigious firms and concerned about who their peers are, I think, more so than a lot of other markets. It's just something that I notice a lot. Attorneys are also surrounded by a culture that emphasizes getting ahead, that's very conscious of its brand and working at the best firm. And this really produces a very success conscious attorney of the law firms. Again, the upper end of the legal market creates an attorney more likely than not it has an exaggerated example of what it takes to be good. And again, if you can make it anywhere, it's a reality there. I think a lot of it has to do with the concentration of people and the specialization of the firms. And then the fact that uh, the best work always goes there or often goes there. And, and again, there's a lot of benefits to having started your career in these firms, to moving to New York, which people do. You can move to firms there and then also to being exposed to it. But most people that are watching this webinar are not going to be working in big New York firms. So, so it's, what's important to understand is the psychology of that and bringing that to your, to your practice. And so what do I mean by that? The emphasis on getting work, the emphasis on professionalism, the emphasis on working long hours, the emphasis on impressing people and billing the most hours, all these things are part of the legal profession. They're just emphasized a little bit more in New York because of the concentration of people, the importance of the clients, the competition for jobs. They're very emphasized there where they might not be in other markets. And so you can learn from that. So anybody that follows these habits, which are really something that all law firms like, is likely to do very well. And, and so you need to understand what I've talked about today. If you do understand it, and this is interesting to you, then you're probably going to be an exceptional attorney because you understand all these things. And again, you don't have to be in a New York firm to understand this, but you need to understand really um, the importance of all this, Heart, being hardworking, being professional, being motivated, being more committed than your peers, doing your work in more detail, getting lots of work and being not tolerating mediocrity. And, uh, and so a career, I think, most of the stereotypes of people coming out of New York firms are largely true. I think that this respect that a lot of people in other markets treat attorneys from, I think is from New York, is to a great extent deserved and, and I think important. I'm going to take questions. I'm going to take a quick break just for a minute or two, and then I'll take questions. I'm also going to talk a little bit about, like I said earlier, the kind of what's going on in the legal market and in terms of the slowdown of work and what you can do about it. And, and really, again, just understanding that can be very helpful. And, and then I'll answer any questions anyone has after a short break. First thing before I go to questions that I wanted to cover is a little bit about the legal market. And hold on a second. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about a little bit right now is a recession in the legal market and what to do when there is a recession. And, and I think there is a recession right now. So I want to talk a little bit about that and how to deal with it. Because I think a lot of people are going through that right now. I just read, I think, Oric yesterday laid off a bunch of people and deferred classes. And, and Oric's a great firm, but they're facing 
the same sort of issues that a lot of firms are facing. There's in every type of legal recession, what happens first is the corporate related work slows down. There's less deal activity because essentially because prices are down and people are companies are down and that people are just spending not is enthusiastic to bring new companies to market or to do mergers and things. And that tends to slow down the market. But then also as companies run through money, they have less money to spend on legal services and things like that. So there's the collapse of things like Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic was largely driven by a couple of things. But one of the things that drove it was there were companies had large deposits of money in banks and, and were drawing down upon those deposits that were the banks were paying very low interest rates on because they don't, weren't bringing in as much cash. And so as that money was, came out, the, they had less money, they had higher, lower interest, they had loans that were on their books that were at low interest rates and it would cost the banks more money to get. Anyway, it's a long story. It's not, I don't need to go into a lot of detail, but the point is that these bank failures that have happened are a sign that there's something, that there's a lot of financial pressure on companies. And the companies are obviously going to spend less money. And now you have real estate and other things slowing down. So what? It, so all that means for you is a lot of different things. But what do you do in a recession if you are a law student or a practicing attorney or in a, a law student practicing attorney or in, in a disfavored or in a disfavored practice area, which is typically going to be corporate and things like that? What, what do you do? And what do you, which corporate, et cetera? So what do you do? And why is that scary? So. It's actually the result, the, what you do is actually not that difficult, but it's something that a lot of people don't do. So all it means when there's a recession is that typically the ones that are going to get hit, the people that are going to hit the hardest are the law firms with the highest cost. And so that's often going to mean the largest law firms that have the most people in different practice areas when the economy is good. So the law firms with the largest co- the highest cost will often be the ones that are the first to lay people off. And that's how it always is. It doesn't mean that large law firms are bad. There's anything essentially wrong with them. All law firms have go through business cycles. It just means that they have higher costs, which are too many associates, many times too many partners that are not bringing in business. And so law firms with high cost let people go. And, and that's just, it's how it always works. And, and no one is really safe. You, if you're a non-equity partner and you don't have work during a good economy, you may be fine. But during a slower economy, you're going to be in bad shape. So law firms with the highest cost are the most vulnerable. Also, law firms that tend to do law firms that are heavily weighted towards corporate are the most vulnerable. And so that often means law firms in New York, law firms in Silicon Valley, and those types of law firms are often the most vulnerable. So if you're with one of those firms and you're wondering what's going to happen, if it's a large law firm, it's dangerous. If it's a law firm that's heavily relied on corporate, that's going to be dangerous. So your New York law firms tend to be your corporate firms, the corporate markets, the strongest corporate markets are traditionally New York and then Silicon Valley, San Francisco. So this is where most of the activity, at least over the past several years, has been going on. And these are typically the first law firms to let people go when the economy gets bad. And so that's something to be aware of. And then corporate Silicon Valley and San Francisco tend to be the, these are tend to be the most vulnerable. In other markets, Los Angeles and, and for example, San Diego, law firms actually tend to be more weighted. And Washington, D.C. is another one, tend to be more weighted to litigation and things like that. 
And so those law firms are weighted towards litigation. Firms that do a lot of litigation typically are the less, least vulnerable. Surprisingly, litigation often picks up during recessions because people are suddenly mad about deals that might have, they might not have been as upset about in a good economy and then come back and start filing lawsuits. And, and this is the way that a lot of law firms actually survive during recessions is they start doing a lot of corporate-related work. So in a recession, there's a couple of ways to respond. If you are at certain firms, it should be the very best, which should be like Cravath, and they've never laid people off. So these are the very best firm. You're probably safe. But at other ones, you're not going to be as safe. But what you do in a recession is you basically, and it's very simple, you either go to smaller markets, you go to suburbs and suburbs of major cities, or you, you look nationally or firm for, for positions. Okay. So the, the biggest thing is if you're at a certain size firm, larger firms or corporate heavy firms that are likely to lay people off or to delay starting classes, really the smartest thing you can do is you really want to try to look for positions in smaller markets or suburbs of smaller markets. Because what happens in recessions a lot of times is some of the corporate, a lot of the corporate work is still being done. And a lot of the, regardless of your practice here, is still being done. But the work tends to go to often smaller markets that are less expensive because companies are trying to save money or they go to smaller firms. And there's honestly nothing wrong with moving from a large firm or taking a position at a smaller firm. And then when the recession stops, moving to a bigger firm. I see people all the time that have started, started at a small firm and then when the economy improved and, they, and then they moved to a larger firm later. So you can always do that. But the most important thing really in, in any type of recession is to stay employed. Because if you're not employed and you have any long-term period of unemployment, it just looks bad. And it, it makes it much harder. The longer you're unemployed, the harder it is to get a position. My recommendation to everyone is to really do your absolute best in a recession to make sure you have a job lined up. It's going to be much di more difficult in the largest markets because if they're letting a lot of people go at the same time, all those people are going on the market and you're competing with them. The other thing that's a little bit scary is if you're trying to get a job in a market where there's a lot of layoffs, the law firms will presume that the people that are getting laid off are the ones that are providing the least value to the firm because the law firms often will keep the people that, are, that have the most long-term value and let the ones go that don't, which unfortunately often means people that didn't go to the best law schools. Like It's very rare for someone from Yale Law School uh, to get laid off and don't have the strong background. So if you were lucky to get into a firm, you may be among the first to go. So it's just something to be aware of. And it's a little bit scary. It's, that's how it works. So you need to look at smaller markets. And then you can start off with the suburbs of major cities where you're at. And then you can also look at other markets. And you should look at a lot of markets. You shouldn't just be happy if you're in New York, applying to firms in New York. And you should be looking at the suburbs of New York. You should be looking at Albany and Rochester and Syracuse. You should be, and then you should be looking at smaller markets. It's interesting. There's always things that are that you never really expect that happen in recessions. During the recession of, I don't know, was it 2000 and it was 2018. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. The most 2011, I guess, the, in the recession back then. Like what happened is New York got extremely slow. It was almost like barbaric how bad it got. Then you, or 2008. And then, and then what else happened? Then you had the Bay Area slow down, but you had these pockets of activity where the corporate and everything was actually improving, which is like Texas, because you had the oil prices were rising. And so these are things you just never would expect. And in Chicago, like the city of Chicago slowed down, but in the suburbs 
of Chicago, the work picked up. It's very important to look at a lot of markets in a recession. Even if you think I'd never work in one of these markets, you're much better off getting a job than being unemployed because when the market picks up, you can always move to a larger market and, and people have a lot more respect for people that may have gone to a smaller firm or a smaller market than people that aren't just don't aren't employed or go in house or something. If you're able to stay employed with a law firm, that really is the biggest piece of advice that I can give you. I'm trying to open the Q&A. Oh, here we go. Oh, okay. I don't have any questions because it looks like the computer shut down. So if anybody doesn't have, if anybody has any questions, I will try to answer them. But I don't think anybody does because I think everyone got kicked off the webinar. I guess that's it. Thank you, everyone. I'm sorry that we had this computer failure, but I will be back next week. I would like, since as we get closer to the, the second quarter and into the second quarter, I do like to do a resume review meeting each one at once a quarter. Um, I will try to send out reminders for that. And hopefully we can do that next week as well. So thank you. Uh, or next week, or if not next week, then the following week. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 